Hello, and welcome to Dragons Remember, a podcast exploring the living history of Drexel University. I'm Scott Gabriel Knowles, a professor of history at Drexel, and your host for this episode. Today, we will be talking about the number one reason students choose Drexel University, the co-op. According to Drexel's Steinbright Career Development Center, over 91% of eligible Drexel undergraduates participate in the co-op program every year. That's over 5,200 students leaving the classroom for an average of six months to work in fields as broad as the majors they are taking back on campus. The program has grown to include research-based co-ops as well, and co-ops for certain graduate programs. Though most co-ops are in the Philadelphia region, The program has grown to include more than 1,600 employers in 30 states, plus Washington, D.C. and Puerto Rico, as well as 47 countries. Drexel also offers the opportunity for students to find their own co-ops outside of the Drexel Co-op Employer Database. The Drexel Cooperative Education Program was founded in 1919, and Co-op is celebrating 100 years of its history this year. People are often surprised to learn that despite his emphasis on applied, useful learning, neither A.J. Drexel nor James McAllister, the first president of the Drexel Institute, thought of instituting a cooperative learning program. It was not until the second president of Drexel, Hollis Godfrey, that the co-op program was able to fully take shape in 1919. Godfrey was himself an engineer and was a leader in President Wilson's Council of National Defense. Drexel history professor Tiago Sariva has written about the history of engineering at Drexel in the book Building Drexel, the University and its City, 1891-2016. to In the book, Sariva says the following. World War I fundamentally redefined Drexel as it led to the creation of the cooperative program instituted in 1919, in which work experiences with private firms were incorporated into undergraduate education. Godfrey explained the co-op program as being based on the new principles of engineering education developed by the experience of the war. This newly designed system of engineering education shows you how to make your services of more value to your country, enabling you to fight more intelligently for the industrial democracy of our nation and to make complete the military victory we have won. For Godfrey, work experience was obligatory for the generalist engineers produced by Drexel, as it provided them the opportunity to understand the challenges faced by a business organization. After the war, according to Sariva, Drexel established co-op positions for students at Honeywell in 1922, Bell and RCA in 1923, Bethlehem Steel and Link Belt in 1924, General Electric in 1925, Westinghouse in 1926, and IBM in 1939. While big companies were responsible for the largest chunk of co-op placements, there were also opportunities at Philadelphia's smaller firms, such as Allen Wood Steel Company, Electric Battery Storage Company, Procter & Schwartz, and Lee Rubber & Tire. By 1925, all of the Institute's engineering programs were placed on a five-year cooperative basis. In 1926, the co-op was extended to the Business Administration Program and in 1929 to retail management, drawing mostly on the commercial and financial companies of the Philadelphia area. During the Great Depression, Drexel found co-ops in government agencies such as the Tennessee Valley Authority and the U.S. Bureau of Reclamation. The era also exposed tensions with organized labor, 
Unions didn't easily accept the prospect of co-op students occupying positions during this period of high unemployment. Cecil Cap, who directed the co-op program for 40 years, considered union conflicts an advantage for students who learned how to handle labor issues. He saw strikes in particular as a major educational opportunity. Today, in this first episode about the co-op, we will be talking about the co-op as it is now, and also about its history, with Ian Slayton, current Vice President for Cooperative Education and Career Development. June 14th, I believe, will be my my 20-year anniversary at, at Drexel. We'll also visit with Evan Ellers, a current Drexel senior and founder of Sharing Excess. I knew that I wanted to study something that would allow me to be in control of my own career. Um, and so I, I thought that entrepreneurship would be the perfect opportunity for that. We will continue the discussion in part two of the episode, including a conversation with Ira Taffer, class of 1979 and current associate dean of faculty affairs in the College of Arts and Sciences. People who are on the other co-op cycle, there was a guy who I became very good friends with in graduate school that I did not know that we had the same co-op job on opposite cycles. We didn't have any, any idea of each other's existence at the time. As well as Amish Desai, class of 2003. And, and having to go through that was you know, something that maybe not every finance major has ever had the opportunity or the inclination uh, to do. So that was very interesting to me. So. And Jabari Jones, class of 2016 and president of the West Philadelphia Corridor Collaborative. But something that we don't hear about a lot of is actually in a, a report that was done last year by the Sustainable Business Network that said that although we have all of these negative economic challenges and those are all the mainstream things you hear about, Philly is also home to, ni- to over 93,000 small businesses. I'm the Vice President for Cooperative Education and Career Development. Um, I've been with the university for 20 years. Uh, tw- uh, June June 14th, I believe, will be my 20-year my anniversary at, at Drexel. Um, and I got to Philadelphia uh, via Boston. I, uh, I, my first experience in, in understanding what cooperative education was was through a graduate program at Northeastern, uh, the College Student Development and Counseling Program. And in year two of that program, we had, I believe, a 300-hour practicum where I worked for Bunker Hill Community College. That quickly, before graduation, turned into a full-time role uh, where I worked in admissions, uh, and I, I loved admissions work. Fast forward two years, I found myself in Philadelphia. My soon-to-be wife uh, was from the the area, and we wanted to relocate to to be near family, and and she had the same degree, so we wanted to be in a college town, and both found ourselves working for Drexel University. Um, She in the the co-op office, interestingly enough, and and, and me in admissions, and so I spent about four years here uh, in, in the admissions office doing everything from transfer admissions to working with non-traditional students and recruiting them to the university uh, to doing traditional freshman admissions and road warrior work and reviewing files and and all of that great stuff. Um, Began to get a a bit of an itch for something new uh, in in, uh, 2003, and uh, my boss at the time, John McDonald, who was a, a great vice president here in enrollment management, uh, connected me with George Echecos, who was a relatively new dean in the business school. They were looking to kind of revamp their recruitment efforts. Retention at that time was something that was 
uh, I guess a, a novel concept at Drexel, and we were realizing we needed, while we did a great job in, in really kind of increasing our recruitment efforts, retention was also something that was uh, beginning to become very important. So they created a, a position for me in the business school uh, that I believe evolved into the uh, director of enrollment management and then eventually the assistant dean for undergraduate programs. And then Peter Franks, my predecessor, uh, in my current role, had announced his retirement. And um, having been with the university for 19 years at that point, I thought that for me, that was an opportunity to really kind of reach for the brass ring and, um, and to work directly in an office that I had supported in many ways through my various roles, whether it was in admissions or within the business school or uh, w- within Steinbright. Um to be part of kind of that, that cornerstone of a Drexel education, which is cooperative education. I, I couldn't pass up the opportunity um, and was hired in, in December of 17. In a 1931 letter addressed to Dr. Kenneth G. Matheson, the third president of Drexel University, from the director of the then Department of Cooperative Education, he writes that it was difficult to place students in industrial and commercial work because of the current economic depression. But... The majority of Drexel students, 95% of them, were placed in co-op positions. Even with the difficulty presented by the Great Depression, the co-op program was still making headway, and by 1935, student co-op placement was near 100%. What are some of the current statistics about co-op? I think I'd start with kind of the composition of the office because so many people think of Steinbright as the co-op office and it's, it's, it's far more than that. It's a comprehensive career development center. So in addition to having uh, an army of co-op advisors that support our students, engage with employers, engage with our academic partners, uh, we have a team of career services professionals that, uh, that help our students with full-time employment. Um, understanding uh, where their interests are as, as they come in as, as freshmen. We, we do the, the strong interest inventory, and we have a, a particular counselor that works directly with freshmen. Um, we have a pre, uh, pre-health advisor and a pre-law advisor, and we, uh, we have three employer relations professionals, and then uh, unbeknownst to many people, we have five faculty members, five full-time faculty members in the Steinbrick Career Development Center that uh, that teach our Co-op 101 class that, that kind of gears up students for that, that very first co-op experience. Beyond that, Steinbright, by the numbers, if you will, we have about 5,500 students that participate in co-op uh, every year. We have about 1,600 employer partners that we engage, so you can imagine how demanding the role of a co-op advisor is to to kind of have a caseload of not only students, uh, but but of employers that they work with. And we're, you know, very happy to report that in terms of employment rates, uh, we are over 98% employment rate every co-op cycle. Uh, for our students that I think speaks to the level of preparedness that we provide for our students, uh, as well as really the reputation of our, our co-op program. Um, in terms of full-time employment, about 98% of our students are either enrolled full-time or in the military or are in grad school within nine months of graduation, which is uh, just another uh, st- stellar statistic and certainly speaks to, to the power of the, the cooperative education program. 
uh, and the network that our students develop. Um, 50% of our students receive a, a job offer from a former co-op employer, and a little over a third of them, about 35%, accept a position with a former co-op employer. In the past, students relied very heavily on co-op advisors to arrange their placements. Today, the Steinbright Career Development Center is still helping to place students in their co-op positions, but students have much more input into the process. Yeah, I think there are a lot of factors that have impacted the co-op program over the years. Um, certainly, the increases in enrollment, the expansion of our academic programs, right there, you, you have to adjust what you offer to students. If there's a new major, we spend about a year in advance de uh, developing new positions for, uh, for those majors. So you can imagine how many different programs and how many new programs uh, were developed and, and, and having to support those. Um, I would say in the last 20 years, technology has had a big impact here on campus with the creation of SEDC Online in, in 1999. Uh, that provided students with more variety, I think, because they could kind of take a look at all the positions that were available to them, uh, improve their ability to uh, apply to those positions, uh, which I think is very different from when I speak to alumni, even from the 80s, that say, I worked with my co-op advisor, they kind of handed me this position and said, we think this would be good for you. And you went and did that role, as opposed to now where students, if they go into the A round, they can apply for 25 different positions, interview for those positions, and, and then find, you know, how they were ranked. And, and if they were matched in the A round, they can do that in B and, and of, of course, C as well. So I think variety, I think technology, and then technology in a broader landscape beyond just the creation of SCDC Online, advancements in technology and globalization are changing industry now at a, at a pace that we've, we've never seen historically. And so for us, I think it's important to be able to respond accordingly and leverage our industry partners uh, so and the information they provide to us so that we're preparing jobs for the future. Uh, some of the ways that we do that is we compile a great deal of data. Um, I This is, again, a, a major change, I think, from the past. Um, with, with the creation of SEDC Online in 1999, we were able to combine, compile data, feedback from students on assessing themselves on, on various professional competencies, uh, and then having employers also rate the students on those same competencies. Um, this is great information that we can also feed back to our academic partners here on campus um, in an effort to make sure that our curriculum is very relevant, very current, and at, at the very least market sensitive so that we're preparing students uh, for, for jobs of the future. Now we're going to switch things up for a minute. In our Voices from the Campus segment, we're going to talk to some current Drexel students today about their co-op experiences. We're here talking to current Drexel students about their co-op experience. What's your name? Hi, I'm Zach Levy-Dyer. And what year are you at Drexel, Zach? I'm a third year. And what's your major? I'm a Global Studies major. 
That sounds really interesting. What was your most recent co-op? So I'm currently co-oping at Drexel Conference Services, but my last co-op was with the French American Chamber of Commerce in Philly. The French American Chamber of Commerce. That sounds really interesting. What was your favorite part about that co-op? I think my favorite part was that we, so the French American Chamber of Commerce is a binational chamber of commerce, so we had people from the U.S., but also from France, so I really got the opportunity to, like, practice my French and work with people from, like, different cultures. It was great. That sounds really phenomenal. What was your least favorite part about your co-op? So, it's a really small organization in Philly. And um, so a lot of times we didn't have a great, really an office space for everyone. So we worked in coffee shops a lot, um, which was interesting because we were working, you know, two, three days a week just out of coffee shops. That's a really unique work experience. What do you think that the co- your co-op experience has uh, taught you or what have you learned from it? I think I've learned a lot of flexibility. Um with, you know, having to work in a lot of different places and not always necessarily knowing, you know, we'd go to a meeting and then a few hours later go back to a different coffee shop or what have you. Um, But also just flexibility because we're doing a lot of events planning. And if you've ever done events, you know, something goes wrong every single time and it's never the thing that you think is going to go wrong. Something always goes wrong. Can you see yourself in a job like this in the future? I'm not quite sure. I definitely think that I gained a lot of skills from it, but I don't know if I'd want to work in that exact environment. It was really sort of business-focused and events-planning-focused, and both of them are interesting, but not exactly what I'd want to do. It's just as important, though, I think, to learn what you don't want to do as what you do want to do, right? Absolutely. And I, like I said, I gained a lot of skills that I'll be able to use in the future for other, um, with other organizations, for other jobs, things like that. All right. Thank you so much for talking to us about your call-up experience. No problem. Evan Ellers, a current Drexel senior, who was initially drawn to Drexel as a university due to the co-op program, and the founder and CEO of Sharing Excess, was able to speak with us as well. Um, yeah, so my name's Evan Ellers. Uh, I'm from Westchester, New York. Um, so I I originally uh, came to Drexel because of the co-op program. Um, I really wanted to have uh, an experience that went further than the classroom, and I knew that I could do this through the co-op program. Um, and I was also look, looking for an entrepreneurship program. I knew that I wanted to study something that would allow me to be in control of my own career. Um, and so I, I thought that entrepreneurship would be the perfect opportunity for that. Um, and in in sort of cooperation with the, the co-op, uh, I could literally try that out for myself while I'm still in school. So um, yeah, that's kind of what brought me here. Uh, it was definitely a big seller was the co-op. I was really fortunate to do uh, at the entrepreneurship co-op for my my third co-op. Um, and it was awesome. Uh, I, I took this idea that I had um, that I started uh, maybe two years prior um, with, with just kind of like this act that had changed my entire path. Um, and it was something that I didn't know would turn into what it's turned into today. Um, but I, I was 
going through uh, the end of my winter quarter at Drexel when I had a bunch of these meal swipes left in my dining account um, that I actually decided to swipe out um, and and take them all out, put them in the back of my car uh, and drive to the center of Philadelphia and give them out. Um, and this day changed my life. Um, and I started working with the university to figure out ways um, to allow other students to donate their excess meal swipes. Um, so this was the idea that I had two years prior. Um, and then coming into my my um, my pre or I'm sorry my junior year um, and having my my final co-op being eligible for the entrepreneurship co-op with the close school um, I knew that this was something that I wanted to do so I I decided to apply um, and I basically went on this journey with this idea that I had started out with that turned into something way more students many times will work with the Steinbright Career Development Center to design their own co-ops in this case, Evan was able to start designing his own company. I run a nonprofit called Sharing Excess. Um, and so basically we use student innovation to fight food insecurity. Um, so we, we do a few things. Um, we primarily are, are focusing on food insecurity, but that um, is separated into two different areas. So we focus on food insecurity on campus and then also uh, food insecurity in the surrounding community. So um, we address uh, food insecurity on campus with things like meal swipe donation programs, um, also helping to advocate and design for food pantries on campus, and also just awareness in general and better research of the actual rates of student food insecurity on campus. Um, and then further than that, uh, we we work with the outside community um, in in things like community dinners, um, but primarily we we run what's called a food rescue operation. Um, so this is where we work with a bunch of local grocers, farmers, and restaurants to actually try transport their excess food uh, to hunger relief organizations all over the city. So um, I was able to, to sort of uh, develop this during the entrepreneurship co-op. Um, and it was really awesome to sort of watch the impact happen um, and, and watch the company change and take form month after month. Um, and by the, by the end of it, and, and now uh, in, in February, end of February 2019, we have approximately uh, 27,000 pounds of food transported from, uh, from our partners, and, and we um, are moving forward with our meal swipe donation program within the dining hall. So um, it's, it's been an awesome experience to start that and then have it even continue after co-op. Um, I did my first two co-ops uh, with an established company, um, and it was awesome. I loved it, and I learned a whole lot, but I just knew that it wasn't something that I would be happy with for my entire life. There's just something that pulled at me that made me you know, confident that I was meant to sort of go um, and, and start something. So uh, yeah, that's, that's really, to me, the biggest difference between just a traditional co-op is just having the, the reins in, of, of your own uh, sort of destiny, right? Um, the fact that I um, could wake up every day knowing that um, I was going out to help people. Um, you know, this is something that, that manifested that first day that I was able to take out all of those meal swipes. Um, and that day changed my life. And every day that I'm able to continue doing that, um, it is simply the, the best day of my life. Um, and, and so I think really just the fulfillment of being able to help people and, and creating a job around that um, is something that will never get old. I have hopeful plans of what we can do. Um, 
you know, but uh, in in terms of something that's that's feasible in, in what will look like in ten years, um, it's, there's nothing I can say that that is too accurate. But I can say where you know I I hope we'll be, um, and and I hope that we will be in over hundred universities within five years. Um, and I think if we are able to make enough impact here in Philadelphia, starting at Drexel, branching out to the local universities, um, and and really just start from a regional standpoint, even just a Philadelphia standpoint, um, and have this be a success here, then I can start to say, okay, you know, five years, this is what this is going to look like. This is where we'll be. Um, but right now, you know, I'm just so focused in, in the present in making this work for Drexel, and then bringing this to other universities locally, um, and, and continuing that impact within Philadelphia and eventually bringing it out to other universities all over the United States. But um, that's, again, just just my hope. And and I, I see all too often that, um, you know, business plans and and projections for f- five and 10 years out um, just never, never truly pan out. Um, you know, even my my six month projections or my my six month, um, you know, ideas of where we're going to be are, are totally off, you know, and, and I, I love that. I love the excitement that comes from that. Each one of the chapters that we create with enough guidance and, and standard operating procedures to actually run this without having to have someone who's like necessarily, um, you know, been there from the very start to keep it going. Um, that's that's our, our goal is to create sort of like a turnkey operation for the for universities. Sharing excess and everything Evan has done is a phenomenal example of how co-ops are able to help students advance their careers, and in Evan's case, help make the world a better place. here interviewing current Drexel students about their co-op experience. What's your name? My name's Taylor, Taylor Euninger. And what major are you? Mechanical engineering. And how many years have you been at Drexel? This is my second year. And where did you have your co-op? I had my co-op at the U.S. Department of Agriculture up in Windmore. That sounds really interesting. Um, What was your favorite part about your co-op? Well, I got to learn about like what all the different tools in the lab are, like pipettes and pipettes, and yeah. So you'd say it was a really good lab experience? Yes, it was a decent lab experience, yes. And what was your least favorite part about your co-op? There was a lot of waiting around. Like We would do experiments, and we'd have to wait for it to incubate. And so at first it would be like, you'd have to wait four hours for it to finish incubating. But then eventually some of the experiments would be like, you have to wait 72 hours for it to finish incubating. And that would take all week, and you'd just be stuck in the office. Wow, that sounds like a lot. What do you think that your co-op with the U.S. Department of Agriculture has taught you? I think it's taught me that I don't want to be in an office setting or a biochemistry setting for my future careers due to the um, amount of waiting that it entails. Um, It also taught me some important lab um, procedures, like taught me how to work in a lab. Do you feel like your co-op was a good experience for learning what you are interested in in your field? Not exactly for me personally, because I'm, I prefer engineering, like mechanical engineering, rather than chemistry and living things. So, yeah. Well, that's some really good to learn what you don't like to do, too. Yeah. Thank you so much for talking to us.
Thanks for spending some time with us, and tune in next time for the second part of our discussion on the fascinating history of the co-op program at Drexel University. Talk to you then. Until then, I'm Scott Gabriel Knowles, and this is the Dragons Remember Podcast.